0: Sponsored by Brian's Heating and Cooling. Brian's Heating and Cooling, where they take your comfort personally. Give them a call for all your commercial and residential comfort needs. 803 796 1788 or Brian's Heating and Cooling.com. Antoine breaks away at the 30, 20, going for the pylon at the five dots for it. Texas, Carolina. Football Friday on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 1075, The Game. Also heard on 100.3, The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5.
1: Fall Friday, Tyler Collin, Wes is out here as well because we are broadcasting live from Firehouse Subs in KC 542 Knox Abbott Drive, literally right across the street. From Brooklyn, Casey High School. Going to be out here until noon. Store doesn't open until 10.30, so wait a little bit until you come out and see us. But certainly come by. we got T-shirts. we got towels. we got koozies. And, of course, you can always enjoy a delicious Firehouse Subs. Thanks to our guy, Larry Chandler, for allowing us to be out here today. It is a football Friday, guys. So excited, obviously, for South Carolina and Mississippi State. Coming up tomorrow night at 7.30. But just in general, we have a full slate of great games on tap for the entire week. And, you know, you go the, through those first, like, three-ish weeks of the season, you have a good game here and there. You'll have the FSU, LSU in week one. You'll have te- Texas and Alabama week two. But there's so much of those filler games of FCS opponents and group of five teams. We're finally getting into the thick of conference play for most teams. We've got a great weekend of football ahead.
2: I first like to say, though, I've never gotten to come into the SpongeBob Sweet
1: victory. That's, that's always a good one, a strong start. Uh, yes,
2: I do think that um, it's a great week,
1: college Well, now you're just trying to get into the fun games, these conference games. Right, right. System. Yeah, so all right, we'll figure out Colin's, uh microphone there for just a second. But obviously a great weekend of college football and, and highlighted here in South Carolina with Mississippi State coming to town to uh, take on the Gamecocks tomorrow night again at 730. And the question that I've been pondering this entire week is – which side is this a bigger must-win game for? You obviously have Mississippi State. They come in here two and one, not that bad, and nobody—I I don't think too many people were expecting them to beat LSU a week ago. But the way that they lost that game and the way that they narrowly beat Arizona the week before has a lot of people concerned out there in Stark Vegas and for South Carolina. Obviously, coming in one and two, your only win coming against Furman. You certainly looked better against Georgia last week than I think a lot of people thought you would be. But the last thing you want is to start one and three because that makes the rest of the season that much tougher. So both sides coming into this game really, really need wins on Saturday night.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a little more must-win for Mississippi State. Now, I, I'm, a, I'm of the belief there's no real such thing as a must-win this early in the season unless you're one of those coaches that has come into the year – with just this this huge hot seat, you know, like one of those things. We we've all seen the scenarios where it's like even if the coach just has a season you expect them to, they're probably gonna get let go. And right. so they're like they're on thin ice. And so for both these coaches, you know, Arnett's in his first year, we've talked about it all week, man. They he took over a really tough situation. I, I know their fans are are impatient just like any other fan base. Uh, you know that's not unique for them so you know you get it but at the same time i don't think this is a must win for anybody i i think generally for power five coaches that are early in their tenures the must wins are the games like against fcs opponents like your southeastern louisianas yeah yeah which i swear is actually a made-up team from NCAA <laughs> football and not yeah. an actual um college but i uh you know i, I look at the game like you play Furman if you're South Carolina. That's a must win just yeah. because of the reality of what happens if you mess around and lose that game. Yeah. Right, right. Um however, do do you sort of create some very loud negative buzz if you're South Carolina, if you start the season one and three. Like I, I think every fan base has a group of detractors that are just like kinda just waiting to go negative and if you give them that ammo, which one and 3 is some some good ammo, then all of a sudden it does start to turn at least as far as negativity. But we've seen this program under Shane Beamer kind of be able to dig out of that as well. Right. But certainly they're hoping to start this thing 2 and 2 instead of 1 and 3. And I think
2: maybe not a must win, but you're talking about who has more pressure on them this early in the season and I think with Shane Beamer, you fall back on would you like to start one and three? Absolutely not. Especially when you have Florida and mm-hmm. Missouri and Texas A and M and Clemson and Tennessee. Tennessee. Tennessee, Tennessee. and all of these teams left to, to play. But I think there's proof of concept where yeah, we can start one and two and finish eight and four. Heck, they did it last year. We have shown the ability, we've played our best ball at the end of seasons compared to in previous years maybe. Let's just see how the season plays out. With Arnett, you're taking over in a very incredibly unique situation. Obviously, the tragic passing of Mike Leach. There wasn't really a search. There's going to be that group that says, hey, listen, we didn't vote for this guy. Like, the the boosters, the board, whoever, we didn't vote for this guy. And we need to maybe have a real search. And he could be part of the real search, but we need to – go out there and get us a coach that we have this extensive search for so pressure and you know how you get rid of that you win yes. and so the pressure when you look at what they have coming up with South Carolina, Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky, A&M, they have a Southern Miss game sandwiched in between an A&M. It's not and easy. Old Miss game. So there's more probably more pressure on our net to win early and less pressure on Beamer now just 1 and 3. 1 and 3 is 1 and 3. You don't want to do that, but I think that there are still a ton, a
1: ton, a ton of toss-up games on the schedule for South Carolina. I don't think it's insignificant to overlook the fact that this is also going to be his first ever road game as a head coach as well. At night in Williams-Brice Stadium, conference game, obviously. There's a lot that, you know, Zach Arnett is is dealing with. Just in general this season, I used the expression yesterday, he's probably drinking water out of a fire hydrant at this point in time because there's so many responsibilities that you have to handle as a head coach as opposed to just being a defensive coordinator. Now you take the factor of going on the road for the first, time and all the logistics that go into that, that's that's a lot to deal with. And certainly it's, some, it's something that's going to be a factor tomorrow night. Well,
3: and I think we've seen South Carolina, as Colin's spreadsheet will probably tell you, <laughs> uh, play pretty well at home at night. And, uh, you know, the, the two games they've even lost during Beamer's tenure, one, I mean, they really probably should have won. It was against Kentucky. And they had multiple opportunities where defense or special teams got them the ball in outstanding field position. They ended up losing by six to Kentucky. That was a Luke Dota game, wasn't it, where he was just not fully healthy either? Yeah, yeah, and uh, so that, that was really when they were still trying to figure things out year one, and then they lost to Clemson year one, and they were just outmatched. Clemson ran the ball all over them. Um, you know, that, that was just n- no amount of home field advantage was really going to be much of an added factor in that game, but you look at the way they've played recently at home at night, and... I think that's a factor, and you're, you're talking about two teams on paper that, you know, do have some similarities, but certainly have some things they're trying to fix. Most importantly, I, I think, as you go into this thing, I think we've we've also, the other side of South Carolina kind of, you know, playing better as the year goes on, has been that they've kind of found, found some solutions, and I, I think we've already seen that, you know, we've had the tree and tro conversation for, you know, weeks now, I feel yes. like, <laughs> that yes. continues. I I do think the youth movement continues tomorrow. I think for some guys that's faster than others, but um, you know, I I, I think that really starts to, you start to see all all right, what's what number is that guy? If you're in the stands like, Oh, that guy's out there a little bit more. I start noticing that guy a little bit more. So that, that'd be interesting to see which of these teams can fix their quote unquote problems. The fastest probably has a big, has a much better chance to win this game. And, which team can start fastest in this game? Like that's yes. we we see that's another trend I think with South yes. Carolina when they start fast, they are very difficult to beat. I know Georgia got them last week, obviously mm-hmm. after a fast start. But when they start fast at home, yeah, they you're, A&M. you're not beating them. Yeah, A and M, um, Tennessee, oddly odd. yes, <laughs>
2: Tennessee. Yes, the 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 odd part is Florida and Auburn in 21. They really didn't start fast. They had to come back from 14-7 down or 14-0 down in those games, but. Uh, I agree. You're 9-2, and two, I believe it is, or 10-2 and two or something like that, at home at night under Shane Beamer. Two or three games is not that big of a sample size, but when you talk about 11 games sure. as a sample size, that's big. And another thing and I don't think we're talking about enough, Dal Loggins was on an Arkansas staff that played Arnett twice mm-hmm. the last two seasons. He's seen that 3 3 It's such a unique defense, especially for the SEC. He's seen the strengths and weaknesses of it. Arnett only has, what, 12 quarters of film mm-hmm. from Dowell Loggins, and mm-hmm. you don't even yeah. know what the personnel that you might see in some of these games now with Trevon Ball, with um, Nick Harbour, Tyshawn Russell potentially playing a little bit more. So um, I think that's something that we haven't talked about a ton, but could potentially be something that
3: that means something yeah before we move on completely from the uh, night game yes. thought i think not just the fact you're getting into a bigger sample size sometimes those stats get skewed if you can go, like, go back and look and be like oh this team's been amazing at home then you're like oh well, they, well, they played play this team this, team this team this team this team not the case here you're, you're talking about games you know dude that south carolina team was an underdog year one to Florida and Auburn the underdog two games. to A&M underdog to Tennessee yeah so big underdog to Tennessee man yeah. we all remember that so you're not talking about sort of a stat that to me really doesn't mean it. it's more like I guess correlation as opposed to causation causation instead of correlation it's, it's they're these are I think that's an actual thing. Yes, they're you know, are
2: four and one in home night games in the SEC under Shane Beamer.
3: Yes. Yeah, it's it's not just a made up stat, yeah. but but I, I really like your point about this three three five and the fact that Dow Loggins <laughs> has seen it. Um I, I think that helped South Carolina going into last week, knowing mm. how sorta of almost NFL oriented George's defense is and knowing his experience against that, um, on top of having an elite quarterback in Spencer Adler. Mm-hmm. But I, I think going into this week. It, if you just weren't weren't familiar with it at all, right. that might be an issue. I, I think going up against them, you obviously weren't the OC at Arkansas, right. but you were in the meeting rooms, yeah. you were in the game planning. You saw it play out on the field. Hey, we thought we could do this. Maybe this didn't really work against it. Maybe this did. I, I think that probably goes a long way this week because I don't I don't know that many teams are actually majoring in mm-hmm. the three three five the way Mississippi State like truly no. is. Not yeah. of this region of the country. I, I was going
1: to say, it's something that teams may use sparingly, but it's certainly not the base of what your defense typically no. is in a college setting. No, and you get it more in the Big 12. Like Spencer Rattler dealt with it a ton in the Big
2: 12 compared to here. Um, I have a spreadsheet stat for you guys on it later in the show if we want to get to it because okay. I did it's, not, it's nothing crazy do you want to talk about that coming up next we might have to well, we might I mean, have yeah, to if, you, if, it if you're going to tease no, it. it's right here thing.
1: I have it written down that's why that's, I have this. well we don't want it to get lost in the other 80 spreadsheets yeah. that you have for this one specific game <laughs> <laughs> again we're broadcasting live out of Firehouse Subs in Casey 542 Knox Abbott Drive right across the street from Brooklyn Casey High School going to be broadcasting until noon come by and see us when they open at 1030 you're listening to In the Bonus here on the game
0: Sponsored by Brian's Heating and Cooling. On your home of the Gamecocks. In Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in
1: Florence. Back in. It is in the bonus slash the Gamecocks Central takeover hours. We are broadcasting live. Out at Firehouse Subs, 542 Knox Avenue Drive, right across the street from Brooklyn Casey High School. Going to be out here until noon for your Football Friday. We got T-shirts, we got towels, we got koozies, bunch of stuff to give away. So certainly come out and see us when the store opens at 10:30. Now, obviously, we'll get, be getting you set for South Carolina and Mississippi State coming up Saturday night at 730 williams Bryce Stadium. You can obviously listen to the game right here on The Game, both in uh, Columbia on 107.5 The Game and out in Myrtle Beach at 100.3 The Game. And, of course, on TV on the SEC Network talking that last segment, the end of that last segment about the fact that Mississippi State runs the 3 defense, which is something that isn't seen quite as prevalently across college football, but between Dow Loggins and his two years at uh, Arkansas seeing Zach Arnett's defense twice, and then, of course, Spencer Rattler playing in the Big 12, a conference that does use this defense a little bit more. Colin, what do the numbers say about this matchup tomorrow night? It's interesting.
2: So, you see it a lot in the Big 12 more so than you do this point in the season you know dal logins talked about that what they call the mint front so i believe it's a four three but it's an over front so you're not necessarily lining up on top of the center three three five you're gonna have a guy right over the center you're gonna have essentially two ends depending on where they line up but the the interesting part to it is you can get kind of exotic in your blitzes with your linebackers with bringing pressure from the edge with all that stuff so it's designed to put pressure but Dow logins has seen it before um Kendall Bryles was obviously the O.C. at Arkansas the last two seasons. But he, uh, Dow Loggins was there as a tight ends coach. They actually, they went one and one in that time against Mississippi State, but they averaged 6.4 yards per play. They completed 60.4% of passes, averaged 9.02 yards per attempt, and almost five yards per rush, um, with a success rate of about 47%, which is pretty good, uh, they scored on four of their six red zone trips, scored 29 points on those trips, and were about 44% on third down. So, you're and in one of those games, K.J. Jefferson was banged up. They did not have K.J. Jefferson for that game last year. So, there's a lot to like about Dow Loggins and his ability to um, scheme against it. It's a completely different personnel groupings that he'll have at South Carolina versus Arkansas, but you'd rather have him seen it, then this be his first time going against something that is largely unique in college football.
3: Yeah, I mean, my takeaway from that would be, obviously, like you said, completely different personnel, different schemes, different everything. I I think the thing that you would take away is that it's not the opposite. Like, if if you were just like, man, the 3-3-5 just shut Arkansas down and just completely stymied them, you might be like okay, did they just not have answers right. for this? So I think that that doesn't mean well, South Carolina is going to go up and down the field against them, but I think it does give you a little bit of confidence that, okay, Carolina will have some answers schematically, Right, just they'll have to execute it, obviously.
1: Well, when you talk about a lot of teams in the Big 12 using this more than maybe anywhere else around the country. This is not a defense that typically goes for, like, Shutdown. It's very much like been high risk yeah. high reward type of thing. Like yeah. you're gonna be able to score points on this defense. Um it's just where can you take advantage of or what area of it can you take advantage of really? And they haven't been great at getting after the passer,
2: which means they have to be kinda surprising, yeah. I feel like right. They haven't been great at affecting the quarterback without blitzing. So I think they didn't get it. they get Jaden Daniels once or yeah, none last once. week. I have more statistics for you, Tyler. Do of course uh, when Mississippi State's not blitzing, so when they are just playing rushing three or rushing four, uh, they've only generated six total pressures and one sack. Okay. When they blitz, because you can get kind of exotic with how you blitz in this 3 3 you just you have so many different lanes to do it, they have generated 29 pressures and five sacks. You're going to see a lot of blitzing on Saturday. They blitz against the team starters that they have played 58.5% of the time. A significant majority of snaps you're sending an extra rusher for Mississippi State.
3: Which and I wonder I wonder what we're even what are we qualifying as a blitz with the 335 as right. well because you're you're probably the beauty of their defense is that when you bring four you are you are blitzing a linebacker. Like mm-hmm. you're because you have the three guys the beauty of it is in theory the opponent does not know which of the three guys, or sometimes that spurs what they called it at South Carolina. I don't know what Mississippi State calls their nickel kind of hybrid guy. Um, you, you don't know where the fourth guy is coming from. Sure. And a lot of teams like to run what they call fire zone, where if you're in a four-man front, that means one of your defensive linemen is having to drop back into coverage and you're bringing a linebacker instead. With them, they can run fire zone without having to put a defensive lineman in coverage because it's just you're, you're playing with which linebackers you're going to bring. So yeah. um, reading up on it, too, there is a lot of sort of, at least traditionally, I don't know their process, but traditionally there's a lot of like, all right, this team we're playing, and this is from the Mississippi State standpoint, this team we're playing runs to the left side, 80% out of the time with this personnel and this formation. So we're going to overload our guys to that. Like, we're that's where we're going to bring the pressure. So if you're South Carolina, if you're playing against this, there are going to be times when they, they guess right tomorrow, and it probably looks very ugly. But there also should be times – for South Carolina where you have the chance for big plays because you kind of have to go against your tendencies a little bit against this defense. Again, I don't know the specifics of how Arnett calls games, but traditionally you go back, Joe Lee Dunn, who was a South Carolina defense coordinator back in the day, he's credited with inventing this. Rocky Long, I believe, got it from him. Zach Arnett played for Rocky Long at New Mexico State. That's where Zach Arnett learned it. So you can kind of see the coaching tree there and uh, there, there's a lot of thought, I think, into, all right, this is when we're bringing guys – this is when we're going to overload this side. This is going we're going we're to hit it up the middle. And so for South Carolina playing this young offensive line we're talking about. That's a big concern, yeah. I, I think there will be some moments where you get the groans in the stands where you're just like you, – you already have a a boomer bust offense in the first place if yes. you're South Carolina. Correct. I know Colin's been asking questions about that all week. The uh, – you know, how how can you create offense without the big plays? Well, I think we're going to see more big plays. Big plays, negative play. Big play, negative. Because you already have an offense that that's been their MO so far against a defense that is sort of the same thing. Negative plays, mm-hmm. let's create havoc. But also, oh, we just gave up a big play.
1: Yeah. yeah, and that's something that LSU did really well last week was taking advantage of those gaps and again, Malik yeah. Neighbors and uh, Jaden Daniels ran wild on that defense and uh, put up ridiculous numbers and that's obviously what we hope South Carolina can uh, do coming up tomorrow. Speaking of that, we'll talk about some of the players that are going to be X-Factors for South Carolina and who can take advantage of things like that 335 defense. Again, we're broadcasting live out our Firehouse Subs, 542 Knox Abbott Drive, right across the street from Brooklyn Casey High School. It's a football Friday. Gonna be broadcasting until noon. Store opens in right about an hour, so come by and see us. It is in the bonus slash the GameCock Central Takeover Hour right here on the game. Welcome back in to In the Bonus. Tyler, Wes, Colin, Chris is now joining us. We're broadcasting live out of Firehouse Subs in Casey, 542 Knox Abbott Drive, right across the street from Brooklyn Casey High School. Going to be out here until noon. Store does open up at 1030. Certainly come by and see us. Again, we got T-shirts, we got koozies, we got towels, plenty of things to give away and certainly getting you set for a full weekend of college football, specifically getting you set for South Carolina and Mississippi State coming up tomorrow night, 7.30, which you can listen to right here on the game. Pre-game coverage starting with myself and Terry Ford out uh, for Gamecocks game day out. Sound and images on Bluff Road from 2.30 until 4.30, leading you right into network coverage at 4.30, which takes you straight up until kickoff. Uh, We we spent the last segment there talking about this 3-5 defense. We have a lot of faith that Spencer is going to go out there and have another great game. He's been off to a great start to the 2023 season. We know now that Juice Wells, obviously not going to play as expected with that foot injury. Uh, Xavier Leggett expected, uh, as we've seen through these first couple of games, to have another big game as well. Outside of Xavier Leggett, we've seen him make a Blake step up. We've seen Eddie Lewis step up. You're expecting to get a Miriam Brown back tomorrow. What? How much he plays, we don't know yet who's that other receiver that really needs step up tomorrow for South Carolina to win this game
3: you know I I think a B depending on what he can give you that that's the guy I look at big picture now you know I, I kind of lump in the next three or four weeks into that I'll be curious to see how well he is moving around tomorrow if if not him if he's not quite there then you know I, I think a guy like Omega Blake you're just looking for consistency and you know i all the credit in the world. Like, I thought he played really well in a tough spot against Georgia. I thought, frankly, game one at North Carolina, he looked like a guy who was kind of getting his first major opportunity. And uh But to his credit, he bounced back from that, made some plays, came back to the football when it was in the air, settled into zone coverages, made, made some veteran decisions, I thought. And so I think that's big for them. And, you know, I think Luke Doty has – has to continue to come out wide receiver because he's given them some really solid snaps there too. So all, really, the answer is all those guys, and of course, the answer every Gamecock fan wants to hear and talk about mm-hmm. is: Can you continue to get Nicholas Harbor and then Tyshawn Russell? That Tyshawn Russell honestly is the guy that kind of has my attention. Sure, start to hear a little more buzz about him. You know, it, it's kind of shifted as far as the wide receivers you heard about very early and the guys you start hearing about now, and that we we all talked about the throw from Lenora Sellers but that was a great catch it's over the shoulder yeah, right. um with a with a guy you know you got a guy trailing you. Too. Yeah, you yeah you got a guy trailing you then you're about to slam into the hedges at the end of the goal like that the ball's being thrown from Jupiter from mm-hmm. Lenora Sellers up into the night sky i mean that that was an impressive catch so i i think all those guys have to continue to come on but to me, the next month or so, a healthy A B goes a long way because to me, he already, before he got hurt, he looked like a guy who had taken another step. Um, mm-hmm. sure. uh, you know, he's gained a good ten, fifteen pounds this off season, kept his speed. You saw him making guys miss in the open field against North Carolina and Furman. Um I was I was actually getting really excited for him because he, he's worked really hard to kinda take that next step and so we'll see where he is health-wise tomorrow. But I I think that's your answer. I also don't think it has to be a wide receiver. Because you brought in Trey Knox
2: and you brought in Josh Simon to be big play threats for you, consistent threats for you. And for one reason or another, they just haven't been. A lot of that's – Dow Loggins even talked about it. You are – having to do more things in protection, whether that's the tight ends chipping, whether that's the tight ends staying into max protect. So they turn in from calling plays where the tight end's your number one option in the progression to now maybe it's your third or fourth option, right? I think if you're going to have a big game because Mississippi State likes, it's a math problem, when Mississippi State blitzes a linebacker that takes one extra person from the middle of the field and puts them in the backfield, there's going to be maybe some room up the seams to have Trey Knox, to have Josh Simon make some plays downfield. Right. You need that to pair with Xavier Leggett, Amarian Brown, who again has forced eleven missed tackles in a game and a half. Like there's a lot to like about this group, but I think if if the offense wants to continue to click and take another step from an efficiency standpoint, those tight ends have to continue to come along.
1: Is there any point given the fact that the Carrion Jones is so talented at so many different positions on the field? that you start using him in more of a wide receiver role, given the fact that you don't have juice, you're still working to get a Miriam Brown back. Obviously, he's been catching things out of the backfield, but wide receiver is more of his natural position. I mean, tight end's his last
2: bingo, that and offensive line. Yeah. So line him up at tight end. Get him the the G and bingo, and then line him up at center one play, like Ezekiel Elliott, and he gets to complete the offensive bingo card, right?
3: Yeah. To to answer your question, I – I don't, I don't think move him back now. Yeah. I mean, Why, not not in a, like a full-time scenario, but maybe a play here and a play there. Because I, I think, you know, I talked about this earlier. I, I look at the wide receiver spots as being almost different positions. Like, you have slot, and then you have the two outside spots. And at that slot spot, even without A.B., you have Luke Doty's playing there, and you have Eddie Lewis playing there. So that would be where he would be anyway. Mm-hmm. I think they have enough depth there of guys that have been practicing there that they're fine. And – And, look, I I know the fans are ready to turn the page and go to Mario Anderson, go to D.J. Braswell, go to these other guys, but they're going to need to carry on Joyner. Like, you can't just give up on him after three games. I, You know, he's, he's second on the team in receptions right now. Like, he's actually done a really good job as a receiver out of the backfield and being that sort of check down, that safety valve for Spencer Rattler. So he's done some good things that I think have gone unnoticed, they gotta give him a, a really good pass protector. And that that's um, that's the point Dialogue has made earlier this week. If you're in a throw game, which South Carolina's been two other three games, you gotta put the guy who you feel most comfortable about physically and mentally in pass pro. You gotta put him at running back. So that's that's why you see that. I thought we did see a slight change in some running situations, some short yardage situations. Oh, let's put Mario Anderson out there. I think that's a trend we'll see moving forward. But there's been a little too much, I would say, hand mm-hmm. about number five. And I'm not saying the running backs don't need to create more missed tackles because they absolutely do, but sometimes it's hard. How are you ever going to get in a rhythm when it's your first time playing a position? If you're – I mean, his total yards or, – or his yards after contact are, like, higher than his total yards. Right. So you you got to give – got to give – I mean – Chris made the point the other day. It was a great point. Marshawn Lloyd, the year he was first coming off his injury, there were people saying, oh, I don't know if this guy's got it. Well, he was getting hit the second he got the football. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I don't think we should just give up on on guys after three games. 75 yards, 69 after contact, or after contact, yeah.
1: Yeah, close to
3: you, you, eh.
1: the point is correct.
2: Yes, yes I was exaggerating we,
3: yeah, a little no, a bit, but, but your point
1: is yes. I'm illustrating well, that in the, to say the, point yeah, was the that, in the first game he did have more yards after
3: contact yes, than like, actual
1: yard yes. rushing. So
3: you don't want those numbers to be close. Nope. No,
2: <laughs> not at all. No. Uh, yeah, it's. I agree that it's got to be a rotation, and like you said, when you're down ten points in the fourth quarter, uh-huh. why are you running the football if you're Loggins? Then agree. you have everyone, bemoaning everything, where it's like. Why are we not passing the ball more to put the ball in Spencer Rattler's hands? There's, there's a fine line to toe
1: there. Are you telling me people will never be fully satisfied no matter what you do? Yes.
3: That, that probably shocking. extends to life and football. But yes, Sports imitate life. Um, I, I will say this, y'all. The games are moving faster than ever. And when you're in a game like you are against Georgia and North Carolina, the ball just doesn't quite get spread around as much as it would. Otherwise, you have a limited number of plays against – kind of a real opponent versus, you know, Furman, you're getting everybody out there, you're rolling it, you know, spread the ball around, get this guy involved, get that guy involved. Um, they only had Mr. Stats over there. How many carries by actual running backs were there even in the Georgia game? What was it seven? Seven? Nine? Something like that. It's like it was like pretty low. That much. It was in yeah. single digits. How about that? What, so.
1: Half of them were done through those first two-ish
2: drives. Yeah. Scripted plays. Well, when you can't run, and when you're doing a lot of run replacement screens, quick game, yeah. stuff to get the ball out on the perimeter. RPOs. RPOs that, that, RPOs that, that turn into pass play. Into a throw. The first play of the game, the screen yeah. to Luke Doty. That was a run call, tagged RPO. Georgia low to the box. Spencer Rattler made the right decision. It was successful. And it was a successful game, so yes. Like, that's the the problem here too, is that you don't know what's tagged as a run with mm-hmm. an RPO adjustment to it, and all of a sudden, if you run three straight times into an eight nine man box, then fans are like, "Why are we running the ball? They're just stacking the box on us."
3: Go deep, and, I, I, right? I, I do. I do think that is one of the funniest um, tropes. it yes. a trope. I think yeah. it is the funniest trope about the running game. Is at the end of a game, if you haven't run the ball, like, to a certain extent, you will get the, well, why did we only run the ball X number of times? But in the moment of a game, the second you run the ball up the <laughs> middle for no gain, oh, it is like, it is the worst. There's nothing an the offense coordinator can right. do worse than run the ball up the middle well, for no gain. Well, You'd have to a turnover too. Oh. Yeah. And, oh, pack your bags.
1: And I, I think in general, through three, the three-game sample says, we have dialogue, and is called really good game so far. I think he's been really good. Going back to the Georgia game last week, again, half of those carries to running backs came in like those first two drives. You're kind of feeling things out like, okay, can we run the ball on this team? Quickly figure out. You don't. So it's like, all right, let's go to plan B and continue to do things out of the backfield, like throwing screens and dump off passes and stuff like that. So Dalog has done a really good job working with the inefficiencies that he's had in the run game so far.
2: And those were plays they ripped all week
3: in practice because they were scripted drives. Exactly. I also really like I like the fact that within the confines of a game, Dow Loggins isn't the guy that says, "Well, we're going to run the ball some more just cuz we quote have to run. Like yes. there's some We're going to make this work. We're going to do it. There's some football bible. We're going to figure it out
1: at some point.
2: Every like, good team runs the ball at least 20 times a game, no matter like
1: It's like he's trying to
3: check boxes. Right. Like, all right, 20 rushes, got that done. I, we only had 14 yards, I don't care. Yeah. I I like the fact that he he doesn't apply that concept that he's like yeah if we have to throw the ball 78 times today to try to win the game that's what we're going to do now over the course of a season is that sustainable no but on this day in this moment yeah. in this game this is what we do to give ourselves a chance and we're going to go do it he's not looking any further
1: ahead than he has to right yes. like, all right here, i, I here, respect that this game this drive what am i doing yeah. here to be the most successful and giving life? the ball to number seven and, is and, what yeah. you're doing. <laughs> and, and again you would certainly love to have a more balanced offense that i think that's you know if if Dow Logan's had that opportunity to have more balanced offense. These numbers would be off the charts probably, but he's making, he's making do with what he has so far, and you got to appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I so, agree with everything of that. Uh, we'll take a look at the injury report heading into Saturday. As in the bonus rolls on again, we're broadcasting live out at Firehouse Subs, 542 Knox Drive, right across the street from Brooklyn, Casey High School. Go in until noon on Football Friday here on the game. All right. No, not really. Uh, Kaysen
2: is out. He won't be out for the year, we don't think. Uh, we're hoping he's going to be able to start jogging next week, which would be awesome if he could continue to come along and progress. Uh, Juice Wells, like I said, is out for this week, and, and uh, we'll see as we go forward um, what happens with that. Amarian uh, practiced today. JT practiced today. Tyreek practiced today. You know, so are those guys going to be 100%? Probably not. Are they available to play on Saturday? Absolutely. And uh, we'll kind of see where they are. The good news it's a night game. So we've got, what, over 48 hours from right now until we play. So it's a lot of time for those guys to get treatment and and, and uh, get even healthier than what they are right now. And, and hopefully they'll be able to get in there and give us something. But all
1: three of those guys have, uh, have practiced this week. And... Welcome back in, to in the bonus again broadcasting live at a firehouse subs five forty two Knox have drive cross street from Brooklyn kCI School myself, Colin West, and Chris all out here until noon. That of course was Shane Beamer last night on Carolina calls, given the latest injury update ahead of tomorrow night 's game against Mississippi State. Of course, you no know, juice Well is going to be out for this weekend. He mentioned at the very beginning case and Henry, who we did mention is going to start some rehabbing soon, so maybe he can come back at some point this season, but we know it 's going to be a while before that happens. A main point takeaway from that, Amirian Brown, Tyreek Johnson, and JT Gear, all practicing, all not at 100%, but as Coach Beamer said, they're all at least having the opportunity to get out there tomorrow night. And for JT Gear, that would be the first time that we've seen him this entire season.
3: That's another guy they could have used, honestly. And, you know, there was some buzz about him when he first got here. Looks the part, big kid, did some good things at Syracuse last year. Uh, You know, has a lot of eligibility left, too, so he's not just a one-and-done player. And, you know, frankly, I don't know what to expect from him now. If he's still coming off of an injury, first major playing time potentially at South Carolina, I don't think you put unreal expectations on him just to come and light it up. But that edge spot, they they recruited a transfer portal for a reason. Um, They recruited a a guy in Tuazama who got here like two weeks before the season started. So there's a reason you're you're doing that. So, you know, I I think you're another guy. Fans are probably tired of hearing this concept, but just as the year goes on you you hope to implement him more and more and uh, and see what he can bring you but i anytime those big guys have any type of like lower body you know foot ankle anything like that that affects your lateral movement and you're already just a plus-sized person um i, I think those things just kind of linger and that's been the case here he got hurt one of the scrimmages preseason. season that's right mm-hmm. yeah and you know, it's just kind of lingered on. So I'm I'm excited to see him hopefully get a chance and, and eventually get back to, to 100% and, and see what he can really do. And this was a guy that was listed as a co-starter.
2: Mm. They, there were a bunch of, like, oars in it, but he was a guy that they were going to rely on from the jump. Now, maybe he's not, you know, all SEC through the first three games, but it's another body. Sure. It's another guy that they have not been a great pass, rush, front through the first five or, what, three games, whatever it is. Um, Jordan Strawn has six pressures, but your next three guys are either defensive tackles or a linebacker. Stone Blanton with five pressures, and then TJ Sanders and Tonka Hemingway with five pressures each. So you're not getting and then you have Tyreek Johnson, then DQ Smith, So you're just not getting a ton of edge
1: setting and you're not getting a ton of production at the ends to get pressure on the quarterback. And I think tomorrow, going up against Bill Rogers, getting pressure on him could be more important than any other game this season because we obviously know he's a guy that's been very uncomfortable in this offense so far. So making him more uncomfortable, getting him off the spot, forcing him to make those throws that he's not okay with making in this Kevin Barbe offense, can be uh, pivotal for South Carolina tomorrow. You want to hear an insane
2: stat from Stats of War? Sure. I want you to guess. Mississippi State ranks one hundred and twenty seventh and thirty fourth. One of those
1: is passing success rate, one of those is rushing success rate. Um I'm gonna go one thirty four for passing, one twenty seven for rushing. No. No, the other way. Mississippi State ranks thirty fourth in rushing offensive
2: offense of success rate. And 127th in passing success rate right offensively. I thought you said 134th. No, 124th. Okay, 34th. That 34th makes sense. nationally,
1: top top 40 in running the ball Cause from Mississippi State. Jaquarius Marks had a good season. Really he good got season. over 200 yards against uh, South uh, Southeastern Louisiana, Arizona. I think he had 75 last week, but like a bulk of that was like a 52 yard run for right. a touchdown. So the, take that with a little bit of grain of salt, but still a great start to the season for him. If you're South Carolina, what you
2: have to do. It was something you really haven't had to do or haven't really done yet, create havoc. Get Mississippi State in 2nd and 13. Get Mississippi State in 3rd and 8 because we've seen Will Rogers struggle and be, look clunky in this offense. And if you are forcing them to have to throw the ball 3rd and 8 and convert on these 3rd and longs, that's a lower percentage play. So if you can create some havoc Get them into second to ten. Get them into third and medium to long. Then all of a sudden you have a shot defensively to get off the field, which they haven't done in a high enough clip
3: yet. Well, I I think it was interesting hearing Clayton White. He's talked about it twice about you naturally, generally get, what, like, what do you say, six to ten tackles for loss just in the course of a game? Mm -hmm. Just kind of, it it just tends to happen. Sometimes the opponent makes mistakes. Sometimes your guy makes a big play. We haven't seen a ton of that. I, I thought, you know, in the first half against Georgia you did see a little bit of that. A lot of it was T J Sanders who had his best game as a game cop. Uh, yeah, you you gotta have more of that and if you're not getting it, you just kinda have to take some chances, I think, and and, and blitz, try to bring blitz, a little bit more and blitz, heat. And, I, and I I do think you look back to last year, there was probably a l they're probably a good bit more comfortable bringing extra pressure knowing the veterans they had at cornerback. Yeah, you know, I agree for with South that. Carolina. So this year You know, those guys have been okay, but I think you're probably, you're looking at it like, man, we got Cam out there, we got Darius Rush, we got Marcellus Dow, like, we we feel good about playing coverage and and putting them on an island. This year, you're maybe a little bit more hesitant to do that, but this week, I I think you have to just say, hey, we're going to go be aggressive and see what happens. I agree. Again, broadcast live out of Firehouse Subs in KC going
1: until noon. Hour number two in the bonus slash the Kimcox Central takeover hour coming up right here on the game on a football Friday.